Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined by Casey Kelly, Alejandro Moreno and Craig Burley. We'll kick things My off full name? in the Copa del Rey. First leg at the Santiago Bernabeu. Saw Real Madrid take on Barcelona. Real Madrid were dreadful. Throughout the course of this game, unable to muster a single shot on target. Barca would make the most of it. Barca, of course, without the likes of Pedri, Lewandowski or Dembele. It'd be an own goal that would give Barcelona the advantage going into the second leg. We wondered, Craig, which one would turn up. The one that did so well in the second half against Liverpool or the one that we've seen for much of the season. They were terrible today. We have to talk about lots of horrible games on this show. Well, yes. (laughs) Right? Quite frankly, this was another one. (laughs) Right? And it's so disappointing because the the classical over the years, there's been some bad games, of course. There's been some games that haven't lived up to the expectations and the hype. And and, And this is one of them. And look, Barcelona contributed to that to an extent and the fact that they set up in a more defensive way but that, that that's their job to do that you know missing the players that they're missing they're away from home first leg first leg I mean it's up to Real Madrid to take the take the bull by the horns and drive it forward and, and show that class and and they didn't and it made for a pretty boring dull horrible game which played absolutely perfectly into Barcelona's hands but again if, if Ter Stegen's making Six saves yeah. and balls cleared off the line and great crosses, just you know, blocks. And it was none of that. And no. I think that's the frustrating thing. Look, we can all lose a game and you have possession, you do that. But the fact that it was just so pedestrian yeah. from Real Madrid at home against their biggest rival. And not only that, we've seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. And we accepted that movie against... Elche yep. and Almería and oh, it was only the teams. Spanish Super Cup. They weren't in, invested. Uh, yeah, that's know? right. You know, hey, that, it, that's played in Saudi Arabia. That yep. has no importance, no value to us whatsoever. Well, what about now? Yeah, against a very vulnerable Barcelona team because of their absences. And while Barcelona deserve a lot of credit given how well organized they were defensively. What I think is most concerning from Real Madrid's perspective is how lifeless the performance was, how little reaction there was, how little willingness there was to pressure higher up the field, to force mistakes from Barcelona. And once you force those mistakes, to do something with the ball, without the ball. There is no movement ahead of the ball. The movement with the ball is very slow, is side to side, is predictable. And just when you thought that Real Madrid performances could not get any worse, because we saw it against Atletico Madrid, Mm -hmm. and it was El Derby, there should have been some motivation. You thought, you know, maybe, okay, against Barcelona, there's going to be a different urgency and different intensity. And there wasn't. So it's a pattern. It's now a behavior from Real Madrid that has gone on for the length of the season. And it tells you that this is the trend for Real Madrid. It's no longer, well, their best is the second half against Liverpool, and so therefore that's what we should expect. It, this is what we should expect. Are they still celebrating the Club World Cup? Oh, oh, oh yeah, the Club World Cup, of course. <laughs> Did we get too excited after the <laughs> Liverpool performance? Well, probably, yeah. I think it was a little bit about 
Real Madrid responding with their experienced players and a lot about Liverpool just imploding, mm. making those defensive basic errors, losing the ball in the middle of the park. You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Gomez, that right side, got obliterated. Just, I mean, it's not just Real Madrid. I've done that to Liverpool this season. You know, Wolves did it to them in the previous game. Uh, Brighton have done it to them. Others have done it to them. Mm. And so, yeah, I think we did get a bit carried away. Uh, I mean, it was a good performance, not yeah. to take it away. Uh, you know, 5-2, Champions League, away from home, been 2-0 down. There's always lots to talk about. But we've seen much, much more of this yeah. than we have of the exciting Real Madrid. And not just this season, last season as well. So, yeah, I'm disappointed in their performance. I'm disappointed in the game. I thought they had a chance to continue to put the seed of doubt in Bass's mind. Bear in mind, they've lost to Man United, they've lost to Almeria. There was, a, there was no Lewandowski, there was no Pedri. Go out there and hammer at home again. And they just completely did the opposite. And, you know, we heard Ancelotti after the game uh, being interviewed and he clearly had watched a completely different game. Well, in that interview, he said he was happy with the team's performance. <laughs> he thought they had complete control of the game. Barcelona were forced to defend. <laughs> it's... Control, he doesn't mean that. Control because you're given control right. is different than actually you know, controlling with a purpose. Uh, the purpose. If the purpose was to pass the ball around midfield, yeah, they had a great game. But if the purpose to actually score goals and win a game, then uh, they were not in control of that. Um, you don't have a shot on target. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, you're Real Madrid. Yep. Now, what we have seen from Real Madrid when they have had off performances, which have been too often, it's been an individual because they have such great individual players doing something that separates them from their opponent. Um, you had a very, well, you have a very disciplined defensive Barcelona team. The reason why in the biggest leagues in Europe, they have the best defensive record of any team. So you heard Javi say in the postgame, sometimes you have to suffer. Now, you don't expect to hear that from a Barcelona manager, particularly no. as Javi. Yeah. But the fact that they can get this group of players to buy in that, hey, maybe we're not quite what we want to be in the future, but we will do what it takes to win a game. Look, it's, it's impressive from Barcelona and it's not good enough from Real Madrid. Impressive once again from Araujo mm. uh, on, on Vinicius Jr. as we saw in the Spanish Super Cup. What does he do so well? How does he keep Vinicius at bay? Well, first of all, he has the pace to stay with Vinicius Jr. And then he has an additional element, the physicality. Ronald Araujo, there is a chip in his head that sometimes clicks and sometimes doesn't. And there is the possibility of him coming in with a reckless challenge. And he'll go in late and he'll give you a little extra. And as a player, you're aware. And very early on in this game, a couple of times when Vinny tried to run by him, he just he put his body right in between Vinicius and the ball. You're going to run into me the whole time. But most of all, he's not afraid of Vinicius Jr. I think it's more of a challenge for Araujo and saying, I'm, I've been successful against this guy before. I know that I can stay with his pace. I know that he's not going to run right by me. And even if he runs right by me, 
Kunde is going to be able to cover me because he has the pace to do that. So if I can get tight and give him a little something, let him know that I'm going to be here the whole time. But if he's able to get in behind, I still have to split the pace to stay with him. Gives Araujo the confidence to know full well that he can play against Vinicius Jr. Even more so when Vinicius starts cutting to the inside, when he starts going towards the help, or when Vinicius starts worrying about the referee or the foul or the fans. When you've done that, you've taken Vinny Jr. out of the picture and you've taken a big part of what Real Madrid does in the attack. What does Ancelotti need to do to get a song out of this lot? Well, he needs more drive in the middle of the park, for sure. I think Camavingo at times does some good things. Gives the ball away a lot at times. And the two players that don't give it away... Kroos and Modric, I'm not sure anymore in these games you can play them both at the same time. Right. Uh, I think probably getting Valverde back in there, running from the midfield. Maybe it's Chiumeni and Camavinga. I don't know. Rodrigo maybe from the start. Switching sides. We talked about this. Switching sides for, for uh, Vinicius Jr. Or switching position if he's getting no joy out of Arujo, which he never in Saudi Arabia, which he didn't hear in Madrid tonight. So think about it. When Barca play... In La Liga at the camp now on March 19th and then the next game in April. I wonder who's going to play right back. <laughs> I mean, in rocket size, he's done a job on him twice. Yeah. He's done a job on him twice. Can they and as Ali said, he knows he can get tight because yeah. he's, he's probably just as quick as him. Right. It used to be in the old days, front men always kind of outrun defenders. It, but these days, defenders generally, a lot of them, are as quick if not quicker than the wide men or the strikers. So they know he can get tight. The only problem for Arojo is if he does it to him silly early and gets booked, then he's got a bit of a problem. But he's, in both games recently, he's been able to squeeze right in on him and that has made it really difficult for Vinicius Jr. So I'm really not sure how much scope for change uh, Ancelotti has, but I don't think the personnel, he went with the experienced team tonight. Yeah. But that experience yes. team was a little ponderous. Uh, Ali, it's been quite the week when it comes to La Liga title odds and your percentages. I think you said <laughs> that if Barcelona would beat Almeria, it'd be 100%. That was then pulled back to 60-40. Uh -huh. Where do we stand now? Because obviously it's a different competition, but uh -huh. it's impossible not to look at this match uh, as kind of a, a starting point from here on in. Split the difference, 80-20. Right. In the trajectory, of course, of Barcelona. Uh, I think there is some significance in this game that goes beyond uh, the Copa del Rey semifinal and, and what that may mean to both clubs. It's the doubt that you would be able to create for Barcelona, the continuation of their struggles potentially having lost twice in four days, that maybe you lay a path, if you're Real Madrid, you lay a path for that doubt to creep in and get a hold of Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So much for that. Barcelona fly back feeling all so great about themselves, having proven to themselves that they not only can beat Real Madrid, but they can beat Real Madrid without having the ball, without having the responsibility to carry the possession, that defending and fighting for each other is going to be enough. This was, I think, an important performance from Barcelona's perspective because it was an ego-free performance. Right. You are asking guys to do things that they don't regularly do and do them 
defensively, with pride. I'm going to win this ball. I'm going to defend for this guy. I'm going to cover these spaces. We're all going to move together, and this is the way that we're going to win. We don't always see that from Barcelona because they are usually the team in control. They forfeited the control and said, okay, you do it, Real Madrid. We're going to fight for each other, and we're going to defend for each other, and we're going to cover, and we're going to tackle, and we're going to make it physical, and we're going to make it ugly at times, and this is going to be good enough for us. I think today was a really statement win for Barcelona for themselves. Never mind us. <laughs> We're not important at all. For themselves. To truly believe that, yeah, we can go anywhere. And if we do this and we play like this with this sort of intensity, we can win anywhere. This was a surprisingly optimistic Carlo Ancelotti after the game. Coach Carlo Ancelotti, so it's a defeat, it's not what you were looking for today. Were you surprised but with such a defensive version of Barcelona today? I think that uh, this is a credit for us because I think we, we pressed well, we didn't give them the opportunity to, to play the, the football that they want. Of course the result is not good, but the performance was good, we are, uh, we are satisfied, I am satisfied for the performance of the team, we are able to repeat this kind of performance in the second, uh, in the next, in the, um, the game in Barcelona, I think we have opportunity, the possibility to move on. Mm, so yesterday you complained about that uh, Super Cup final, that maybe the, the, the performance, the attitude there was not the correct. So you think today it was, and, and what was missing from, from your team because you didn't show yeah, on target? It was difficult to find Spain in the last uh, third of the of the field because they were really close, uh, they defended. Uh, deep and uh, it was difficult to to find opportunities. So mentally for, for a team they are going to see each other Barcelona three times in 35 days. Is it really tough to, to stand up the, the team to play against now Betis no, and later Barcelona I don't Barcelona think so twice? because I think that we had the control of the game and this is what we, we have to plan against them. To have a control of the game is really important. We had the control uh, of the game. Our game was good. The result, no, but we have 90 minutes more. Okay, thank you, thank uh, you. Carlo. Uh, Gemma joins us now. Gemma, I've heard that you've been hit by a ball and sprinklers uh, <laughs> post-game. Very yes. fun. Which was very nice. <laughs> yeah, um, it was almost as fun as the, the, the game, the, the truth. I mean, it was like exciting. El Clásico is always something special. And uh, yet another time that topical that uh, who arrives better at El Clásico doesn't mean that they are going to win. I think it's what happened earlier today here at the Santiago Bernabeu with the Real Madrid absolutely frustrated by Barcelona. It was uh, an extremely defensive version of Barca. They they just had 35% possession here. It's the lowest possession in, uh, since 2008. Um, they, they generate really not much Barcelona, but, but Real Madrid generated much less. Not, mm. not a single shot on target. Uh, extremely difficulties to... Uh, Karim Benzema di didn't feel like very comfortable. Um, Ronald Araujo is the kryptonite for Vinicius. Uh, he was unable to generate any kind of uh, danger. Um, so I, I was a little bit surprised by that kind of optimistical version of uh, Carlo Ancelotti saying we just need to do the same, next time it's going to go better. I would have shouted at him, Gemma. No <laughs> shots on target. You had no shots on target. I don't care about control. 
<laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true that it, I mean, let's give them credit. They managed to uh, steal the ball from Barcelona, but uh, no. I mean, Barcelona. They they were in an exercise of surviving. Uh, they were missing four of their key players. They were playing away from home after two defeats in a row. So. They, they came here to survive and to try to forget about that two defeats and, and to get a, a result, a decent result, to try to, to win in a month uh, time in, in Barcelona. So it's been a strange... I think if there is a happy person in Madrid right now, that person is El Cholo Simeone. Because watching Barcelona play like almost his Atletico, he must felt uh, very proud. Uh, of course, you're not happy, you're very objective. Definitely no Barcelona bias from you, Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, but thank you very much. Uh, just a reminder, of course, La Liga action continues on ESPN Plus over the next few days. Atletico Madrid taking on Sevilla on Saturday. Casey Keller on the call oh, for that oh. game. Hey, hey. And on Sunday, Barca against Valencia, followed by Real Betis against Real Madrid. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Uh, let's switch gears then, shall we, to the Premier League. All the back pages about Arsenal's performance yesterday, thrashing Everton by four goals to nil. Sack it to him, sack of the net. I like sack of the net, that's good. Uh, taking a look at what that means, of course, five points separate Arsenal and City now at the top of the table. That was Arsenal's game in hand. Arsenal are still... Just slight favourites ahead of defending champions Manchester City. Jan will tell us that Manchester United is still in the hunt. He would be wrong. Uh, let's welcome in, shall we, uh, James Olley uh, to reflect on what we saw again yesterday, James. A real statement from the potential champions. Yeah, and I, and I think the way they did it was particularly impressive because Everton, as we know, Sean Dyche, defensive solid, resilient, made it difficult, matched them up in midfield, really kind of made it a sort of staccato game for about 40 minutes. But Arsenal didn't panic and they and they stuck to the kind of football and, and playing their game that's got them to the position they are in now. And really from the moment that opening goal, really nice ball from Zinchenko into Saka and a really smart finish at the near post, from, from the moment that goal was scored, they looked in such control in the second half, which could have been a sort of nervy affair. I've been at the Emirates down the years where there have been games where they needed to win and it's been edgy and the crowd have got on the team's back. It was a party in the second half. You know, they were chanting about being top of the league. Some of the football was fantastic. And quite significantly as well, they, they cut the goal difference gap to Manchester City as well. It's not just that they've gone five points clear. They now cut that gap from 10 goals deficit to six goals deficit. And who knows where we'll be in May, but that could be quite important come the end of the season. James, it's interesting you mentioned the crowd, obviously, because we've seen Arsenal in the past being affected by what's gone on in the stands. The fans know what is at stake and the opportunity they have here, of course, and the football that they've seen their team play under Arteta this season. Do we get to a point where those nerves will seep in, not only to the supporters, but the players as well? Yeah, potentially. I mean, look, they, they've got a really good opportunity now. Um, you know, their next sort of few games, they've got um, Bournemouth, Leeds, Crystal Palace. These are games that they should be winning. They're all at home, those games as well. Um, and they can really put themselves in a, in, a, in a strong position and have that cushion. I think having that cushion when they go into April is going to be absolutely vital because there's a week where they play Manchester City away, they play Chelsea at home, and then they've got to go to Newcastle. And potentially there could be a Europa League tie in the middle of that run as well. And I think those three games are going to define what happens. And, and if Arsenal have still got that five-point lead, if they can win every game up until then, it's not that long, four or five matches, and the way they're playing, you wouldn't put it against them. If they've got that buffer then, then they'll really believe they could then go to the Etihad, for example, and it could be a free hit for them. They know if they lose, they've still got a two-point advantage. Yes, of course, that would be tight. It would ramp up the pressure. But they wouldn't lose top spot. And I think... The, the, they, they came through a real test when they lost to City two weeks ago because I think a lot of us thought mm, maybe the bubble's going to burst here and, and this could be um, the start of a, of a rapid decline. But they won three on the spin then. They're now extended to five points clear. And as I say, they've got an opportunity in these next few games. If they can maintain that gap, come that difficult run in April, then they've got every chance of winning it. Europa League should just fill us slot in the Europa League if you're asked. You don't, you don't need any distractions now, do you? Well, the you, eyes on the prize. Oh, absolutely. I didn't see the game yesterday because I was doing the FA Cup, but I tell you, the second half at Villa Park was huge. Yeah. Was huge because they were behind the eight ball, they were chipping away, they played real, they showed a lot of guts, but they also showed a lot of quality and a lot of good football. And yet yeah, took the Jorginho shot at the end and the on goal down off Martinez to get them over the line before Martinelli sealed it. But that just for me, I think had they not turned that around, it might have affected them in a much different way. But 
the euphoria leaving Birmingham after coming back, digging it out, dominating, creating chances. Don't forget Odegaard missed a bit of a sitter in that one as well. I, I think was huge for them, was huge for their confidence to go back on that bus, go back to London and say, right, we're back on the bike, we're riding again, let's pick it up and let's go again in the second half of the season. There's a lot of questions coming our way. People thought we might have went to Villa Park and folded. It could have happened. Yes. But this Arsenal side, these players, this manager, a lot of youngsters, but they're made of a lot a lot more steel than people give them credit for. And I, I don't think the pressure's going to get to them. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to play well all the time and we're going to see this silky football. And if Man City beat them to the title, maybe it's because they're a better side. But I'm just enjoying watching this this young yeah. team play. And, and because they've come out of nowhere in a sense this season, yeah. a lot of people are questioning well, whether or not I they mean, have the mentality, if they have the guts. What's going to happen when they have a dip? Well, they have a they had a dip. They had a little dip, and, and they and they have exploded now back into life, getting this run that's, of victories. That's character. There's no question about it. Um, and the problem is, is they're going to go this whole season with the question mark because they're young and they haven't done it for so long. So the only way you can get out of that is to prove to everybody that you can do it because you haven't done it yet. And that's the, that's the benchmark. You only get judged by actually completing the task. So, so far it's been really good. They've shown that they have the character to fight back, the character to compete. Now they have to take it over well, the line. Well, let's not forget, they've, they've played a, a fair chunk of this season now without their marquee signing. Yeah, yes, of course. Gabriel Jesus, man, we got injured. Oh, that's it. <laughs> that's <laughs> done. To be fair, Nketiah came in, did a great job, then just tailed off a little bit. And yeah. he's, he's had a rest and they played, I think, Trossard as a, as a false nine. But, you know, to still be in this position and they've done it a f with a fair chunk of a guy who was playing great, yeah. I think tells you all you need to know about this side. And added to the importance of that second half against Aston Villa is the fact that Manchester City dropped point against Nottingham Forest. Right. And I see that now that makes it the perfect picture for Arsenal because, yes, we had our dip. Yes, we had our struggles. It felt like Manchester City were all over us, and now they're not. Yeah. And now it's still five points. So, as bad as it was, apparently, as bad as it was, we're still leading by five. Mm. I think that gives you a level of confidence if you're that group of players and saying, eh, it's about us. But that's, it's not about Manchester City, it's about us. Ali, but that's where that game in hand becomes so crucial. Yeah. When they had it, you had to take advantage of yep. it. You know, we all talk about games in hand as players and go, but they're only good if you actually win them. And they did what they needed to do to give them that cushion. Yeah, and what a night it was. If you're an Arsenal fan, of course, James, not only that victory over Everton, but Spurs getting knocked out of the oh. FA Cup, losing to Sheffield United by one goal to nil. Uh, it is the fifth season in a row they've been knocked out in the fifth round or earlier. How embarrassing is this loss uh, for Tottenham? Well, I mean, it's embarrassing from the point of view that it's going to be almost certainly 15 years without a trophy and, and that will raise further questions about the ownership and, and the direction of the club and whether they are investing enough and in the right way in the playing staff to, to, to break that drought. But, you know, there came a point where Spurs really had to rest some of their players. They rested quite a few. They probably didn't need to rest as many as, as, uh, as they did at Bramall Lane, but I, I, they clearly decided they've prioritised trying to go, qualify for the Champions League. They've obviously got the last 16 second leg against Milan next week. They took one view at those matches coming up and thought we might be able to get away with this um, with, a, with a changed side. And 
I, I do think that it would divide Spurs fans if you took a poll of would you say right if you finished outside the Champions League say you finished even 7th or 8th you didn't qualify for Europe but you won the FA Cup I think you get a quite an even split of the fan base that would say, do you know what? We take a trophy. It's been 15 years. We want something yeah. to show for all of the progress under Pochettino, the new stadium, the new training ground, all of that. But at the same time, of course, trying to build on that and go for the biggest prizes. They need to be in the top four every year. They need that money. They don't generate the revenue that the other clubs in, that they're competing with do. They need to finish in the top four every season to maintain that pursuit. So they kind of get caught between between the two aims, really. It's, you know, do you want to just win a trophy at all expense or do you want to try and actually go for the Premier League and the Champions League? And if you're going to do that, and remember, they only got to the Champions League final four years ago. It's not that long ago. You know, this is a squad that's gone on a lot of transition in that time obviously changed a couple of managers but still they see themselves as being aiming to compete for the biggest prizes so they almost bypass the FA Cup and the League Cup and think well actually that's they aren't the trophies we want and really you think well after 15 years I mean look at Manchester United you know they've gone six years without winning a trophy and they're treating the Carabao Cup like they won the World Cup you know and that's because they see it as a stepping stone to something else they see it as uh, developing that winning mentality and really sort of making a statement that the club is, is, in, is going in the right direction what it all this does for Spurs is it just reopens all the old wounds, all of the old issues about the, 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 where Chairman Daniel Levy's taking the club, whether he's prepared to invest or Enoch can prepared to invest the money to get them to the top. And then, of course, it raises questions about people like Harry Kane and whether he's going to hang around this summer and into the final year of his contract when they don't look any closer to winning trophies than they did since Pochettino left. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Like, you not look like you're, you're going to compete with the big boys, so don't treat the FA Cup. Well, look, like some perspective, they made changes, but I'll... Uh, Sheffield United made changes as well. Right. Sheffield United are currently in the automatic promotion uh, spot in the Championship. They have a transfer ban. They're not a good side. If they go up, they'll come straight back down under the current guys. Uh, they'll get walloped off almost everybody in the Premier League uh, with their current squad. I did them tw twice against Wrexham. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fifth tier. It was, they took a late equaliser uh, and the injury time down in Wrexham to get them a replay. And then Phil Parkinson in the fifth tier, because they're trying to get back in the Football League, made wholesale changes yep. to a, basically a non-league side and gave Sheffield United as good a run for their money. Yeah, a missed penalty as, changed the game. It's Tottenham. And uh, Paul Mullen missed a penalty. He's second of the game. That tells you how bad another how this was another poor performance for Tottenham because Sheffield United are not a very good side. But yeah, I, it, it must be so frustrating for, uh, as a Tottenham supporter about ownership, as as James said, and about finance and about direction. But if I'm Harry Kane, I mean we've had this discussion so many times. Come on, if you're a really top player at Tottenham. Uh, it, it's not changing anytime soon. It, re it really is. Well, because what's the rule of pro sports? The rule of pro sports is follow the money for success. Tottenham aren't spending like the top teams, yeah. but there's still an expectation, even though they don't spend like the top teams, that they have to be above the top teams. Tell me, give me three seasons where you're paying as much as Chelsea, Liverpool, Man U, and Man City. And now demand from the players that you finish and bring trophies back. Right now you're asking for something that financially you shouldn't be achieving. 
However, some good news for Aye. Spurs. All right. Antonio Conte, James, was uh, nominated for Manager of the Month, even though he wasn't on the touchline what? for those days. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, he's been in charge for as many Premier League wins as I have, so I was disappointed <laughs> to miss out, as you can understand. Um, look, yeah, I mean, look, look, clearly the Premier League want to recognise the fact that Tottenham have had a good month. And if you talk to Christian Stellina, he'll say, well, yes, I'm the one on the touchline, but Antonio's picking the team. And quite often he's making the changes in matches. But I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it is a strange anomaly. But he, look, he's not going to win it. He's the only one of those three who's actually lost the game. You know, Marco Silva and Eric Ten Hag are unbeaten in February. So, yeah, I, I can't see him winning it, but being nominated is, is, is strange enough. Maybe it's, it's, maybe he needs to stay away more often. I'll have a better win record. Uh, yes, exactly. There was that. Of course, Leicester City thrashing as well. Um, uh, let's move it on, shall we, James? I want to talk about Chelsea uh, because the general consensus here is that Graham Potter was given an impossible task given all the players that were brought in over the two transfer windows and the size of the squad that he's got to deal with. So everyone's been quite empathetic towards him. I'm wondering if the fans that you speak to within the Chelsea base have that same sort of outlook. No, not really. I, 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 look, I mean, the ownership has changed, but the fan base hasn't. And they are used to success. And of course, there is an understanding of just the sheer scale of turnover at that club in the last... 10, 12 months, uh, right, of course, from the ownership all the way down to the playing staff and, and backroom staff and all of the changes that have been made. And the, and the fact that I think there are 31 first-team players on the books at the moment, just organising a training session is very difficult for Graham Potter. But, you know, they've won one game in the calendar year. I think it's two wins in 15. You know, yes, he needs to work out what his best team is. Yes, there are a lot of mitigating factors. Yes, there's been a lot of change. But Chelsea are still a good enough team to win football matches at home against lesser opposition. And they haven't been doing even that, let alone winning the bigger games, let alone getting through to the latter stages of, of you know, the, of the Champions League. Of course, they've got to overturn that deficit against Borussia Dortmund next week. He has to start winning games. I think there's, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly sympathetic to him as well. I think there are sections of the fan base who are. And I think that if you talk to Todd Bowley and Bedardek Bali, I think they would say, we want this guy to be our successful uh, manager long term. We want to give him the summer. We want to give him a chance to clear out some of these players. Let us streamline the squad add one or two more on top of what they've already done and really let him have a pre-season to work with these players because, of course, he came in September. He had no time to work with them. There was then a World Cup. You know, there have been games sort of thick and fast ever since, really. So he's not had time to impose his own methods on the team. But ultimately, it's a results business. Everybody in the studio knows that. You, ha you have to win matches to get from you know, from where they are now to the summer without there being a real groundswell of negativity towards Potter. And I do think that the two games, the two next two games against Leeds and Dortmund are going to serve as something of a referendum at Stamford Bridge on, on Graham Potter. I think if they if they were to not to beat Leeds and then to go out of Europe to Dortmund, I, it could get quite nasty there. And then that asks a very, very difficult question of the yeah. faith of the ownership. It's really not difficult, he, he, and we've been saying it for a while, he has to buy himself enough time, and that's what James is alluding to, and yeah. that is getting enough results to get you to the summer to convince not only the fans, but probably the ownership, who are saying the right things at the moment, but will have their doubts, that you are the guy to take them into next season. Uh, and that's going to boil down to results. Look, the fans in the last, what, 20 years 
have basically had an ownership who, when it's not been going well, have just hired and fired. Yep. And that, that has brought them success. Whether people think that's a great model or not, that's, that's not up to them. That was what the ownership wanted to do. Clearly, the new incumbents want to go down a different route. They want to show their, a more patient side. But as we all know, ultimately, when the fans turn, there's only one guy's head that's going to roll, and it's yep. the manager's. So, listen, he's got a big three or four games coming up. If he has, you know, against relegation teams, threatened teams as well. If he has a bad result against Dortmund and three poor results against the likes of Leeds, I think it might be Southampton, I can't remember who it is, he could go. And so he has to buy himself a little bit of time. Who do the fans want in, James? <laughs> well, they've been singing for Thomas Tuchel. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, that, is, <laughs> that is not going to happen. There is no chance. Given the juxtaposition that, that is of life. <laughs> yeah, it was, quite, it was quite an acrimonious exit. So, no, I don't... I, I mean, look, but that's always... When you ask fans generally, they, they just want something new, don't they? If they get irritated by a manager or they get frustrated. I think one of the other things to say, of course, is that, as Craig says, you know, they're used to uh, a higher and fire culture... But also they're used to seeing player power at that at that club really dictate, you know, that dressing room. You think about the John Terry sort of Frank Lampard era where, you know, players would almost circumnavigate the manager and go straight to the board or to even to the owner in some cases and just say, look, we don't think this guy's up to it. I don't think that would happen here. But I do think a consequence of, of the Todd Bowley decision to start handing out six, seven, eight-year contracts to players makes it even harder for them to say, well, actually, we're going to blame the players here. It, it puts more pressure on the manager because they just can't... You know, if they were to decide, actually, do you know what? These players we've signed are not good enough. We need, to, we need another high turnover because Graham Potter's our man. Imagine the state of trying to get rid of some of these players on six, seven, eight-year contracts. It's going to be hard enough shifting some of the deadwood they've got in the squad at the moment because everybody knows they've got 31 first-team players and they need to sell. So it's going to be a fire sale there this summer. But it just that dynamic, I think, is also a, 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 an added pressure for Potter that you know everybody knows that these new, these new signings are on such long contracts that the manager has to make it work with those players. And if he doesn't, then he's going to be shown the exit door even quicker. But what have we seen at Man U? We saw a new manager come in and take control of a club. If there was player power, look at the Avram Grant stuff, the stuff like that. But at the time when Chelsea was the most successful, you knew Jose Mourinho was in charge of that club. When you look at most successful clubs, there's a leadership from the managerial role that you know who is in charge. And then everybody else in the locker room has to toe the line because you're going to lose that fight. And Chelsea needs to figure that out and find if Grand Potter's the right guy, great. Give him the, the backing to do it. If he's not, find the guy that can r get control back at that club. But in, order, in order to have that conversation, you need a win. You start with a win. Well, yeah, yeah. One <laughs> single win, one single result. A goal. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> exactly. Let's start with a goal. Let's work to a win, and then we can have a conversation about control. But there is no chance that we can think of Grant Potter as a man yep. in control when this team cannot score a goal or win a game. Uh, That's the first, uh, first and foremost. I think from the fan base, which ultimately we've seen a lot of managers 
eventually been, been relieved of their duties because of the pressure uh, supporters put on. And we all know how owners and chief executives crumble at the first sign of a stand turning on them. Graham Potter, of course, results are the most important thing, but he's also fighting perception. Yes. The perception that it's Graham Potter, he's too he nice managed a guy. in Scandinavia and the Lord Divisions did a great job yeah. and then he was at Swansea, and then he was at Brighton, yeah. but really hasn't got what it takes to manage a football club of this magnitude. And so he's fighting all those things. And as James mentioned, he's got a squad that's imbalanced, it's overloaded. And to some extent, the football they played in Dortmund was pretty good. He can't control the fact of Kai Havertz and Joe Felix can't put the ball in from 10 yards. Sure. But ultimately, he's lumbered with that. And he has to deal with it. And if he doesn't deal with it, I'm afraid he's going to be gone. James mentioned earlier, of course, the transition of Manchester United under Ten Hag and the success that they've had. Obviously, just the Carabao Cup for now, but looking good in the FA Cup as well, coming from behind uh, to beat West Ham. Uh, just getting the job done in the end, Craig, when they were up against him for some of this game. Yeah, they didn't play well. Uh, West Ham, I mean, West Ham's problem is in Antonio up front's not good enough. Could have killed the game. And in the end, Aguerd, had a, who's a very good defender, had a great World Cup for Morocco, had a poor second half, scored an own goal, made two mistakes, Fred came off the bench, another player who's been terrific under the new manager. And, and yeah, this Man United side, it's not, I was saying on the commentary yesterday, it's not quite got the Fergie-esque comeback grit and skill, but it's got a little bit of it. This, if you don't, if you don't kill them off, right. they've got that fighting spirit, he's not frightened to make changes, they brought Rashford on, they brought Casemiro on. He tried to give them a rest, but he had to go to the bench. And, and yeah, I mean, he, he left uh, uh, Martinez out at the back. Uh, Maguire got some game time. West Ham shot themselves in the foot. Right. From a winning position, they got deeper and deeper and deeper, invited this United side on. And this, this current United side don't need asking twice. And the momentum continues. Uh, and yeah, he's done a, a, an amazing job. And yesterday just showed that I can, we can make changes to this side, not play great, but grind out results. And that's a sign of a, of a more than decent team. Uh, James, you can look at players all over this Manchester United squad who have improved with the introduction of Ten Hag. I don't think many saw that coming, certainly uh, early on in the season after that, what, 4-0 defeat against Brentford? Uh, no, and I mean, it's been, it's been a... <laughs> I suppose it's a marked contrast to, to what's come before. I mean, uh, you, you think about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and the, what recommended him, obviously, is you know his achievements as a player and, and, and knowing the club. But I mean, he had no real track record as a coach improving players. And, you know, the guys, they were talking about managers taking control of a dressing room. And you never really felt that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer could do that. He was more trying to be friends with everybody rather than actually you know, manage them and improve them. And so the, you know, the fact that they've got, uh, I wouldn't, well, I, I think he is a disciplinarian, but I don't think that's just what he is in Ten Hag. I think, you know, he's obviously tactically very astute. He's able to change games in matches with his substitutions. He's very positive. He, you know, he, he can correct errors in game, which is, you know, a real necessary skill, particularly with the five-man substitutes now. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot to recommend United. I would just, my concern there would just be the sheer volume of games they've got. You, you just sort of think they've got obviously one or two injuries of players who are out for a while, Christian Eriksen, and you just think, well, you know, at some point are all these matches going to catch up with them? But 
Um, there's a lot to like about the shape of that side and, and the attitude and the endeavour that they're showing. And, and you, you sort of feel that Ten Hag's earned the right, whoever the owners are going to be in the summer, to, to be properly backed and bring in some more players that he needs. Again, ship out some of the dead wood and, and, and get a tight-knit squad all pulling in the same direction. Because, you know, since Ronaldo left, that's uh, pretty much where United are, isn't it? It's funny, that. <laughs> a lot more Manchester United talk. Don't tell Ronaldo fans that, James. I get very angry. Uh, Gavin Jules then is the latest edition of the podcast, which is available to listen to now. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. And then what about this on, which tomorrow now, uh, Borussia Dortmund <laughs> taking on Leipzig. That's at 2 p.m. Eastern. Of course, both teams very much in the title race, looking to stay on the coattails of Bayern Munich. The latest edition of Football Americas will drop tonight. Still more reflections from what we saw in the first weekend of MLS. Plus, they'll be looking ahead to that second weekend, which kicks off tomorrow. That's it then, that brings us to the end of today's show. Be sure to stay tuned though as Extra Time is next as we'll be answering, as always, some of your wonderful questions. <laughs> Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. I'm smiling because I've seen the first question. It is something we've talked about a lot already, given that we covered the Real Madrid-Barcelona game. Not once, not twice, but thrice. Uh, Ali, how is it after Rajo keeps pocketing Vinicius, but Ancelotti doesn't seem to do anything about it? We were talking about just playing a different flank. That's a different flank. Okay. Yeah, and maybe something that Ancelotti does, maybe something that Vinicius Jr. could do himself. That, you know what? 
this is no fun over here against Araujo. <laughs> Obviously, he knows how to play me. I'm uncomfortable. Let me get over to the other side. And even if you stay on the left-hand side, then have another option opposite to you. Maybe that's Rodrigo. Something different. Something that changes the picture for uh, Barcelona defensively and certainly offensive for Real Madrid. They didn't do it. And Araujo is saying, I got you in my pocket. And I think Vinicius knows that. More importantly, Ronald Araujo knows that too. And sometimes when you do it kind of in the flow, maybe after a corner and you were marking somewhere and you just kind of slide over there and just change it up for a few minutes. Yeah. See how that works. And I mean, look, we see it often enough in, in matches where it's almost like 15 minutes. Let's swip, switch this over and see if that does something. But yeah, clearly it wasn't working. Craig, both strikers and goalkeepers are often referred to as a different breed. Mm. Oh, we're way more of a different breed than And have quite strikers. peculiar personalities. <laughs> <laughs> what position has the weirder individuals? Oh, goalkeepers for sure. Goalkeepers? Absolutely. Well, they, they, they train on their own. Yeah. <laughs> train on their own. Do you, think you, do you think you get enough credit as a goalkeeper? No, I, I, I think you get credit when you have moments where it's clearly, you look at Thibaut Courtois in the Champions League final or right. something like that. You, you have to pick and choose your moments, but, okay. you, but you also have to understand that you're going to get the other side of it as well. Right. It's um, like, a bit like a kicker in NFL. Yeah, Nobody cares a, about it that much. Well, I think we're... It's, it's, <laughs> hopefully we have a little more uh, <laughs> from that side of it. But, uh, <laughs> Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him, Casey. I mean, clearly, players, players really respect the goalkeepers because without a good goalkeeper or two, you're stuffed, right, and your team. But players... During the week, love yes, correct. goalkeeper. Correct. Right. Yes. Every day in training, you're looking to wind the keepers up, whether it's a shooting practice, yep. crossing and finishing, chipping them, you right. hate it. Right, yes. Everything. You try to just wind the goalies up. So yeah. if you want to see the respect level, let's go back to the match. There was the, the moment late, Ter Stegen comes out, gets hit. Yes. But they know that the pressure was relieved because Ter Stegen came out to catch the ball, got fouled. Right. They're all around him. They're going, yeah, yeah well done, you know, stuff right. like that. So, yeah. yeah, look, the respect is there. But to Craig's point, we know that the pressure is on us and our mistakes are highlighted, and the guys try to relieve that pressure during you know, the week so, by so, giving so, us as much stick as possible. Is it fair if we had, like, a shower, uh, Shaka Power rankings of weirdos? Yeah. Like, goalkeepers, strikers, is that the one, too? I mean, it's goalkeepers and then everybody else. <laughs> I don't know. Then, then I think it just becomes individualized. Right, so you, then on, from when it comes yeah, to positions. It just depends. I think you can probably say that the goalkeepers, yes, okay. have a little bit something different about right. them. You know, and then there's always just different people within life, and they kind of fall yeah. in the different categories. Much talking about goalies. <laughs> yeah. You know when you love goalkeepers? When you have a terrible one, you're like, my goodness. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's when you're like, you really begin to love somebody. It's like, why, why don't we have that guy? Why don't we have that guy? <laughs> yeah. Casey, can you please explain <laughs> uh -oh. the feelings once again of Millwall beating Craig's Chelsea? <laughs> <laughs> that got brought up yesterday. Sorry. Yeah, um, and the day before. And the day, and the day, <laughs> I wasn't here yesterday, so yeah. I'll repeat the day before. I did my bit. Well, right. look, I mean, because, you know, we just came off of a couple days of FA Cup coverage, and one yes. of the questions was, you know, what yeah. is kind of your best FA Cup experience? You have to justify it. It's fine. No, I mean, I'm just explaining. Um, 
But when you're at a smaller team, because we were talking about, you know, obviously uh, Sheffield United yeah. beating Tottenham. Yes. And when you have those opportunities to pitch yourself against a Premier League side and you're able to come away with a performance and, you know, that cup run for Millwall where we beat Arsenal in a replay the tie before. And then we had the opportunity at Stamford Bridge um, in a replay, in a replay uh, to take it to penalties. And, you know, and as a goalkeeper, again, you're talking about those rare opportunities. You get to be, you know, kind of the center of attention where I'm not I'm never going to score a goal or at least. It happens rarely. As I lose yeah. and stuff. Casey's dropped something. Yeah. <laughs> Make your <The> goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. uh, where because of the way, and, 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 and Craig scored on me. I'll, I'll give him credit. But right. I was able to come up with the fifth save. Yeah, that's, and, that's, and that's like where all this was leading. No, 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 no. The most important bit is I scored. <laughs> <laughs> save, but, uh, didn't even have to go for power. Just waited. Put, put me the wrong them. way. Put me the wrong I, I, way. I, like, in your day, obviously, there was no internet. Oh, by the way, hey, by the way, he had long yeah. hair. I had hair. You didn't have the same resources that they had nowadays with regards to previous penalty kicks. Right. How much would you have utilised that? How much it would was, that have... It was halfway. It was halfway to the same. Yeah, 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 of course. That's awesome. changed. It was well. none of this VAR yeah, with the back foot. He was halfway out. Like I said, sometimes you have the moment. What would you, and that what would was you prefer moment. now? To have the vast scrutiny of the, the foot on the line but, or to have the resources of no I think, the penalty? But I think what's nice is in penalties then, because you can have a little bit of a history of the guys that don't shoot often. Right. But most of the times in a, in a, in a league scenario, you're going up against the Matt Letizia's that never missed a penalty. Right. Or the, yeah. You know, the yeah. guys that had these records. And when you look back at their history, as you do, out of 20, there's eight here, there's eight okay. there, there's four there. So, right. yeah. yeah, good luck. What was your preferred? Millwall fans enjoyed it. And the Millwall fans Ooh, yes, Millwall ripped fans. the King's Road apart. They, they were right. on the field and things got a little unsavory. Yes. Yeah. I was in the dressing room by that point. Well, of course you were. Yeah, we ran. <laughs> <laughs> quickly, quickly. What, what was your pref your go-to from a penalty perspective? Uh, did you hold mostly or did you just pick a spot? Very flexible. <laughs> Close your eyes. Well, pretty and well, it's done and dusted quick yeah. so you get to the pub. <laughs> My preferred was, so I'm, the goal is where the camera is, was to yeah. whip it across that way. Mm. Okay. Whip it away high. Right. And Because you can get a lot of pace in it and it's yeah. going away from the goalkeeper. But then sometimes you second guess yourself, the, that, that penalty in the shootout was a side foot to Casey's left. Do you remember it? Oh yeah. That's impressive. Uh, I missed a couple trying to go down the middle over yeah, the years for yes. Derby and I missed one for Celtic against right. Big Jim Layton. I don't know how Jim couldn't see it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the ball must have hit him. The ball must have hit Jim. Jim died. <laughs> Something just hit me. <laughs> so I don't know. You, you've got to... Yeah. I'll be honest with you. And I don't think it's a great idea. I, a couple of times in big games, changed my mind mm. in the run-up. Oh, Stevie says not to do that. Does he know? Ollie, what was <laughs> it your, was what a what European was your... Cup final mix. Yeah. Ollie, what was your preferred? Put it in the six-yard box. <laughs> <laughs> Move it up a line. Yes. <laughs> Closer to goal as possible. I wasn't a great penalty taker. I wasn't, I wasn't... Who would win between you and your son if it was a penalty shootout? Oh, me. Come on. What? what? Come on. I don't know. Are you kidding me? Yeah. My preference was always for somebody else to take it. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, if you're like, if you're going at the top of the league or you're at the bottom of the league, 
if it's relegation or a title, sometimes you look round and... Uh, a lot of people are hiding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. There's not always a big queue, depending okay. on the scenario. Yes. Uh, but uh, I mean, a couple of guys at our clubs that I think were better penalty takers than me. Branko Strooper at Derby and Henrik Larsson ended up taking yeah. penalties. All right. Okay. Henrik never took them when he first came in. Right. But I think one of the good parts about for a goalkeeper and for me to be able to be able to make that save, I needed five guys on my team to score their five goals. Okay. So then I had the opportunity sure. to, to come no. up with this. This is very Oscar speech. Yeah. yeah. I want to thank the team behind the movie. But, but see, I'm the real star though. Yeah, but he started yeah. thanking his teammates when the music started playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, exactly, that's how long down the list. Yes. I saw who was on the bench for Millwall that night. Right. And so it was imperative that Casey did save some penalties. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there were some, there were some tough too. characters. There yep. some, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Craig, we talked about this, of course, in the show as well. How bad was Liverpool's first leg performance to have let this Real Madrid side score five past them? And do they have any hope for the second leg? Uh, the second leg, no. Doubtful. No, it's, it's not even doubtful. I think a little bit of doubt, no? Why? They're gonna yeah. Liverpool are going to score four in the Bernabeu and not concede. I think you get a couple. Not concede. Get a couple and just kind of... Like, it's still like 98-2, I would say. But still, I think there's... I, a, I think you're even generous there. I think but, it's just yeah. a little smidgen. Because Real Madrid are so bad at the moment. But they're not that bad defensively. No, that's true. So that's yeah, the that's true. And good news is Liverpool's defence is really Yeah, true. that's also very true. They're really good in transition. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, you're right, they have no I think chance. The answer is Liverpool and its current guys made Real Madrid have a terrific evening in the Champions League that they probably would not have had against a much better side. They against not anyone have, else, maybe, you could argue. Anybody else had gone 2-0 down against yeah. would not have come back and scored five, but Liverpool this year have been pretty atrocious. Uh, that is it, that brings us to the end. What was the question end. that you didn't want in? Was it really bad? It, no, but Boring? It, Awful? No, no, none of those. Uh, rude? No, 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 none of that, no, just... Uh, anyway, I, I, won't, we won't, I won't do a full oh, on it. All right, though, okay. But if you're going to send me nasty messages and then send questions in, then you're going to get red flagged. Oh, there he is, the decision maker, producer, director. There you go. <laughs> You've got to give people a second chance. <laughs> ESPN FC, they're back on your screens tomorrow. Uh, be sure to join us. The Boss. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric E-Bikes. They're the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com.